the show on your Monday. Good to have you with you, Matt and Patrick. The 92 degrees, smoky in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Yes. Yes, like a big old hot beef jerky. Ah, uh, 952-946-6205. I've talked about how amazing our lineup is right now, and I have been here for 13 and a half years. I can't remember having such a good lineup as we do from morning till night. And our, our evenings here are exceptional. If you're not listening, you're just wrong. Rick Smith at 8, Gross Box Radio with Greg Bakken at 10. And our next guest is joining us, our 11 o'clock host, Patty Vasquez. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez airs at 11 o'clock right here, weeknights on AM 950. She's kind enough today to join us to talk about multiple political things, including the strike that's going on. Hi, Patty. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I love being a part of your lineup. And we've, we've been hearing from folks from Minneapolis-St. Paul, which is just thrilling. So thank you, thank you. Last two weekends, I've run into people who have said how much they've enjoyed having you on the air. It's our privilege to have you up here in Minneapolis-St. Paul. So thank you so very much uh, for joining us. You have been busy. You are a strike captain for SAG-AFTRA. So obviously you have been uh, working quite a bit here. Uh, talk. Yep. All, t- let's let's talk about what. It, how first of all, how has it been for Chicago? Because I mean, you've seen scenes out of New York and Los Angeles, but pretty much every major metro area in the country, including Chicago, has had a fairly large strike presence here. Yes, and and look, we were we had a rally last month with uh, the writers in Chicago. We you know we don't have as many writers that live here. While we have a lot of shows that film here and, and movies, obviously come and and have productions in Chicago. We have uh, many standing shows, many popular standing shows like Chicago Fire, PD, and Med. Right, all those the the uh, the big three uh, you know blockbuster shows have been on for over a decade, employing actors for years and bringing a lot of union work here, whether it's the craft services or the carpenters and engineers. But we also have uh, you know shows like the Hulu's uh, The Bear that film here. Yeah. A lot of great shows, and it's a thriving community. The writers typically don't live here. They're a lot out of Los Angeles and New York. But we had a rally, and we brought in writers from Indiana, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, and we all rallied with them. We had over 1,000 people last month, and it was really thrilling to see folks come out because you know you, you hear the chant, you know, up down, hey, up, down, Chicago is a union town and you're seeing that out of new york and los angeles too and we want to make sure that they feel supported obviously our numbers aren't quite as big we can't we don't have studios that we can protest or picket outside of we have uh cinescape studios but all production is pretty much slowed down and shut down now permanently during the strike so we're we're doing events every week and uh and it's really we've had cfl you know the chicago federation of labor has come out we've got all the teamsters coming out we saw Chicago's teachers union come out, uh, the flight attendants unions coming out. It was amazing. It's a a great show of unity. Fantastic to have that kind of unity on this issue. And I think what you're seeing is what is the threat to the writers and the actors right now. Right. Is yeah. is not anything we? I mean, t- the reality is, is like, and I've talked about AI with other people. It's like, okay, this was something that we, you know, it was a it was a plot point of a Terminator movie for many years. We didn't really think about it that yeah. much, but they've gotten to the point. And I and I was watching an interview with all people. Uh, Pat Oswald was on with Conan O'Brien, and he was talking about you don't understand this stuff is moving so fast, so far ahead that if we don't put a line in the sand right now and preserve the rights of the writers and the actors. 
the idea that for hundreds of years the studios will be able to make billions off their likeness and their and their writing ability i i i, I if we don't yeah. put this line in the sand right now and stop this this is this is going to be horrible I agree. And and it's uh, there's a couple things. One, you know, they call it artificial intelligence, but really it's plagiarism software. They're taking, whether it's the, the, the story idea, hey, write me a script like a Quentin Tarantino-style movie, and then it just shoots that out, right? So that's one that's actually basing it off of existing works. And then there's the other element. They want to scan background actors. You know, we think of extras as like, oh, well, that's, you know, they're doing it for fun or that's not a permanent job. That's how I started. In the 90s, I was a, a background actor in movies like My Best Friend's Wedding and Love Jones. And, and you, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of an apprenticeship because you learn how to be on a set. Mm-hmm. You learn what's expected. You learn the rhythm of it. And what they want to do now is they want to pay actors a half-day work to scan their face, their bodies, some, in some instances record their video, I mean record their voice, so they can use that in perpetuity and they'll put this in a contract. I've seen this in my contracts throughout the universe in case, to your point, for hundreds of years, if something else evolves from the system or from our society, they can use that forever. And, and what we're asking for in that regards, then we want informed consent. You know, I don't want, I don't want to see my face or my body now in a porn or something, yeah. right? Or in an extreme right-wing video, <laughs> which, which would be as appalling. But we also we want we want <laughs> we want informed consent. We want compensation, and we want credit. And I think that people can understand that those are reasonable requests. Uh, you know, and as far as you know, artificial intelligence is going to, you know, is is going to permeate so many different parts of our society. They I don't know if you saw this, but DeSantis has uh, audio that sounds like it's Trump saying these things, and it's something Trump had written. But they used parts like you know snippets of his voice to create the speech that he never gave, and I, so I think politicians hopefully are seeing that this is a threat to everybody. If they can if they can at least sit down and realize it's a threat to them, maybe that's how we get that done. And they're calling the actors hysterical because of, of <laughs> particularly the porn thing. They say, "Oh well, we're never going to do that." What are you talking about? You guys yeah. will sell these people out in a heartbeat if it means you're going to yeah. get an extra buck. And this, the, you know, it, it, it is this, we can see where this is going. They're trying to act like, oh, you're, 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 you small little children. You don't get this. No, it's very clear where this is going. And as you said, I mean, it's, it's, it, the quaint thing would be using someone like yourself in a political ad for a someone who you completely disagree with without you having any say whatsoever in it. But the other side of it is the exploitation level of it to where not only, you know, the, the back, background actors, but eventually maybe even the celebrities being used in really disturbing and disgusting ways against their own will. I would not put it past a, a production company, the executives within the industry, to sell out these these actors in a heartbeat. So it's got to be stopped now. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, you know, we are feast or famine in our industry. And you'll, yeah. you'll see everything from big name stars, you know, talking about how they, you know, when they weren't getting work and the, things were, you know, getting scary, they could still count on going to their mailbox and getting a residual check. And some of those checks are pretty big. Mine aren't. You know, mm. I, I play, I have a semi-regular role on Chicago uh, Fire as a, as a mean nurse that throws people mm. out of rooms. But, uh, you know, every few months I'll get a couple hundred bucks, and that's great. 
uh, in comparison, and this is the other big thing, is the, the, the compensation models, right? The, the residuals, we used, you know, we used to get them from network and then replay on cable. But with streaming, I'm getting checks for two cents from things that I've done yeah. and some things that I, I was the original author of for my comedy material. I get checks for two cents. They spend more on the printing the check, yeah. on putting a stamp on that envelope, <laughs> than they're paying me. And, and a lot of that is the tax write-off part. Mm-hmm. See, so they can claim something is a loss. Uh, John Cusack has been writing about this. His movies say anything. The studios have told him they're not giving him more residuals because that movie now has been a $44 million loss. Now we're talking about a movie that was a huge hit at the time. So these are the kinds of games that they play with the with the ledger, with the... All, all the accounting and the streamers is, is what's killing us. The you know that's what we're that's what we're holding the line on right now in these negotiations is you know there has to be some new model on how we are paid if a show is wildly successful. You can see I mean a lot of writers shows that are really popular like uh, was it billionaire is it billions and all these other secession these writers are not being compensated for wild successes while the the studios are making billions of dollars. It, the writers, the ins- the problem there is it's like a Thomas Kincaid painting. They just print it off, but then they bring in an artist to add a little paint to the painting to make it look right. a little special. And the, the, the idea, I listened to one of the writers saying, the idea of them giving me a computer-generated script in my style that I did not write oh. and then saying, we'll give you 12 bucks an hour to go punch it up a little bit and clean this up like a Thomas Kincaid painting. You know, the, 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 that is just disgusting because once again, it's the idea that for hundreds of years, these writers works might be getting, I mean, it'd be like taking a Shakespeare and then being able to put stuff out as Shakespeare for a hundred, for 500 years while Shakespeare and his family and his, and his descendants never get a dime from it because, you know, someone sold off their rights. Well, and that's, you know, I think that's kind of the heart of this, too, is in our industry. And to your point about people saying we're hysterical, I guess, acting and writing seem like, you know, soft, a soft industry. We're not hard workers. And yet that's what people sit back and relax. That's, you know, we, we are storytellers. And, you know, this weekend, I think, shows such a great example of people wanting to get back to the theaters and doing good storytelling. You know, Oppenheimer and Barbie, you know, that, that's what we turn to. We turn to music and books and theater and going to the movies or watching television and look actors we we are afraid to say no to an offer right because it you know for me i'll give you an example for my just my own career i almost gave up auditioning i love doing stand-up and i was like look if i'm not going to get work i had an agent tell me oh you know you're adorable you're great you know if you just lost 20 pounds mm-hmm. i could get you more work and I thought I was 135 pounds at the time and five foot six and i thought i didn't get into comedy to be a model, and I almost gave up, but a casting director told me, Patty, you know, it's just, it just comes down to the way you look. You're great in auditions. So I, I stick it out because I, I love storytelling. I love what I do. I love the opportunities, but I'm afraid to say no to something because you never know when the next work is going to come along. So we're vulnerable in that sense. And, and I'm always fascinated by people who, you know, are angry at labor when we really are not making anywhere near they, they want to fight for the billionaires it's shocking to me how much people want to protect the billionaires in these kinds of scenarios uh we do really hard work and we're not all famous we're not all making millions of dollars there are 160,000 sag after members 
Do you know 160,000 famous millionaires that are in movies and television? No, (laughs) exactly. No. Yeah. So it is, it's, I love the work. I want to continue to do it. And that's why I'm so, I'm so committed to being a part of making sure that we are there for each other. You know, and the other thing that we are asking for is enough compensation to be able to get health care. 87% of us do not earn enough for the, to qualify for SAG after health insurance. And that's, and that's because of the way we are being compensated. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's all, well, just go to Cobra. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. Right. Oh, well, this is one of the things which scares me is that it does seem like the executives are willing to go the long distance on this, which yep. means we need to, if you support union work, if you support the, 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 the artistic works of the actors and the writers, if you support the unions, we've got to be prepared for a long haul here. And that means making donations to help people get through this because the reality is these executives are making millions and millions of dollars. They don't have any problem, you know, driving down, uh, you know, the product for a few years just to basically get the way that they will. So uh, do you have, uh, are there some, some groups out there that are already starting to form as far as places that people can make donations to, to help out with the writers, with the actors, to make sure that they can get through this and, and make sure that they, they get the fair contract that they deserve. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely. There's a, the Writers Guild first had, uh, of course, they had uh, a lot of organizations that were collecting in order to help people just you know make payments. And they're, they've created these funds in case someone has an emergency, uh, you know, whether it's a doctor's bill, uh, a car bill, any of those things. And so you can look for the Writers Guild of America, WGA, and follow. I, I would recommend the best place to start all of this if you're active on social media. Follow the work that we're doing. SAG-AFTRA has one account. I know there's WGA East and WGA West for Los Angeles and New York. And we are putting stuff out there all the time. And there's always links to uh, different funds to make sure that the artists who bring you joy, uh, open your hearts, open your minds, uh, those storytellers uh, could use some help during these tough times. I'm fortunate that I have a day job. I have the radio show. Uh, it's not a hobby to me. It's part of my career, but it's another element of my life that I'm proud to be a part of. Um, and, and you're fantastic at, at it all. It's it really is a privilege to have you on the air. And uh, yeah, Thank you. It, it, well, and yeah, this is I'm on one thousand percent on your guys' side on this. So we'll make sure I get the links for the WGA, WGA East and West as well. SAG after I'll get all those links out there. And when they do put out something where they're looking for donations, make a donation, help them out because once again, the executives are willing to basically try to oh, ruin yeah. entertainment. To basically get their will. If you don't mind, really quick, I want to talk about one political issue here, and that is something that you had uh, experienced down in Illinois. They got rid of cash bail in Illinois. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, the Supreme Court has upheld legislation. uh, A a couple years ago, there was legislation passed in Springfield called the Safety Act, and it was built on the four pillars of justice uh, created by the Black Caucus in Illinois, intended to bring some social reform to our, 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 you know, our prison system, our incarceration system, and, you know, people who are awaiting trial. People think that we're just opening up the prisons and letting out uh, convicted felons. This is about people who are awaiting trial. And there are folks, I'll give you the most severe example. There was a gentleman who was awaiting trial, could not afford, afford the cash bail, lost his job, his family, lost his family because his wife left him. He couldn't, couldn't deal with it. Couldn't you know? And he was he six years awaiting trial, and at at six years they decided, well, you know, there's not enough here, and they let him go. Destroyed his life because wow. he could not afford cash bail, 
And there are people, and this is still, the judges have discretion. If they believe that someone poses a threat, they can they can hold them without bail. That's their choice. But, I mean, the fact that if we're talking about, let's say, let's say it is a drug dealer or a murderer, you know, because they have money, they can buy their way out. That's not what anybody wants to see. And for the folks who think that I might be soft on, you know, on crime or think that, you know, well, you don't know what it's like, I, I always... I push back on that. My family has experienced the worst trauma. My brother was murdered when he was 16 years old. And I personally am against many of the things, whether it's cash bail or the death penalty. So I, and I'm not saying that, you know, people, I don't speak for all survivors of homicide, but I often, I cringe when people use that as an example of like, well, you don't know what it's like. Uh, we are trying to find a way to make this equitable mm-hmm. and not, and, and disproportionately people of color are imprisoned in Illinois and throughout the country. And we have to find a way to, you know, we, we complain about communities that are dangerous. Well, we choke people off from opportunities and we incarcerate them at a high rate. How do we expect things to get better? Absolutely. And, you know, the thing which is always that, that comeback you hear from, especially from the conservative side is, oh, you're weak on crime. No, no, no. I want, you know, no. appropriate punishments and stuff. But if you don't think that we need to have reforms in the system because the system, as you just pointed out, it basically imprisons the minority population while the real criminals who basically are successful in their crimes are able to get bail and this doesn't impact them at all. I I think that 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 there is your part of your problem. Doesn't mean you're soft on crime. Doesn't mean you don't want fair sentences. It just means that you basically realize the system is flawed here. And if we don't address this, it's, we're not doing justice for anyone. Right. And I'll tell you this much. Republicans are the softest on crime because the, it's over $400 billion a year in white-collar crimes, yeah. and they are soft on those crimes. <laughs> the amount of money that we lose in, you know, whether it's smashing grabs, look, it's not, of course we should prosecute those folks, but we're not prosecuting the people who are ultimately choking off those communities from economic opportunities by whether, you know, it's wage theft or playing with their, again, with their accounting. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So. <laughs> well, I find it I find it hilarious when conservatives will say, you know, lock up guy who stole fifty dollars from a liquor store up for for the rest yeah. of his life. But when someone's stolen three million dollars, it's like you don't understand. Being rich is a real draw here. I, I think I think we've wagged our finger at him. Enough has been learned here. He's like, dear God, man, you guys are you guys are the worst at this stuff. Yep, <laughs> thousand percent. All right. <laughs> Patty Vasquez, once again, if you are not listening, this is just such a great lineup. 11 o'clock tonight, make sure you're listening to AM 950. It's uh, the Driving Home with Patty Vasquez, as well as also, I'll get all the links for that you recommended here. Uh, Patty, you're always welcome back. All my best. I I think you're awesome on all levels, and so it's just a privilege to get to chat with you. Thank you very much for your time. Well, I want to invite you on my show, too, because I want to touch base about what's going on in Minnesota, too. So let's set that up soon. All right. I got, I got a good fishing story okay. for you. No, 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 not really. Oh. I'll talk about other things. I'll talk about other things. Excellent. <laughs> I'll take that, too. Patty Vasquez, thank you very much. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.